Good evening. Welcome to the podcast today. We'll be talking about true Sabbath rest. Our text is from Hebrews 3 to 7 up to chapter 4 verse 13 and we'll read. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me though for 40 years they saw what I did that is why I was angry with that generation I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways so I declared an oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful and believing heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction family to the very end. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he hung angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Chapter 4 Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they had was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. I like the King James on that part. It says they did not mix the message with faith. Now, we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on an on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works were finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish 
by following the example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intense attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let's pray. The Almighty God who sees everything and that we shall give account to you on that day. Lord, tonight we declare that we are resting in Christ. That without him, Lord, on that day we cannot stand. Our full confidence is in his righteousness and his holiness, even as it produces a lasting fruit in our lives. And that, Lord, when you come, you shall find our lamps burning. Make us to be like the ten wise virgins, my God. Make us to be like the wise virgins that we purchase our oil right now. We purchase it with surrender. We purchase it with faith. We purchase it by dying on the cross, by giving our lives fully in exchange for your presence that changes us, that equips us, and makes us to be a burning light. That when it gets to that day, do not be the day when we will be wishing that we could have surrendered. We could be wishing that we would have paid the cost for your presence. Father, may you have your way. Thank you. Bless the speaking of the word this evening. Make it to be of importance and useful to the hearer. Receive praise even right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul, um, the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, uh, who is not known, uh, draws their thoughts from Psalms 95, verse 7 through 11, where David had a divine revelation and he writes about the rebellion of the Israeli generation that came from Egypt, the ones who experienced the exodus from Egypt. This rebellion caused them to miss entering into Canaan, which was a land of rest. David understands that these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. That is from 1 Corinthians 10 to 11. David understood that. But David expands on their peril because it was not it was not just all about Canaan, but that this was a continuous narrative of rest from the Old Testament to the New Testament to give light to the most important rest, to the greater rest. God was pointing to a Sabbath rest. So David expands on this rest and the peril of not entering into that rest because there is a greater reality than Canaan. There is a greater reality than just the Old Testament Sabbath, according to the Torah. There is a rest in God. The Lord's rest that 
David is talking about is that one that was established during the foundation of the world that is during the creation in Genesis when God created everything and after creating after work after labor God declared that everything was good and that he rested that is the first mention of sabbath so David suggests that just the same way that the Israelites tested God through unbelief, idolatry and sin and miss Canaan that we might come to miss the greater rest if we don't learn lessons from their generation. The phrase today um in the scripture it's called told today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts that today means that there is an ever present rest for the child of god regardless of their season or circumstance it's a place of firm belief in who god is and who you are in him that you have nothing to fear nothing to hide and nothing to prove it does not mean that these things are non-existent to you but that even though they appear in your life you constantly strive to get to that place where you don't have anything to fear anything to hide anything to prove you're fully confident and secure in who God is and who you are in him and so through this series the writer of hebrews uses david's text and revelation uh, to expatiate on this divine rest of god and he gives us some secrets to enter into this rest so i've been able to extract some five secrets to god's rest that i want to share with you and number 1 is intimacy we are told in verses 9 to 10 that though for 40 years they saw what i did they have not known my ways This is similar to the writings in Psalms 103 verse 7 where it says he made known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel It is possible for you to be addicted to miracles that at the end of the day you are not intimate with the miracle worker the miracles were a sign to point you to the miracle worker problem is we indulge and we keep wanting more and more and more miracles that at the end of the day we become like the three cities that Jesus rebuked there's a there are three cities that Jesus cast in the old testament in the new testament sorry where he did most of his miracles he went back to cast them up to today those cities in Israel are filled with only rocks that though there are things that God does in our seasons of breakthrough and miracles we get so indulgent that we idolize the miracle than the giver of the miracle the instability of our faith in hard seasons proves just how much we are not grounded in knowing who God is that when tough seasons come immediately the anxiety the lack of rest we fidget we we start to shake it shows that we are not grounded 
in who God is. God showed up in your trouble one time so that you would be affirmed of his fatherhood. Yet in times of trouble we feel orphaned. God wants us to go to a place where we intimately know that he is with us even in the presence of our enemies even in the presence of trouble that is what psalms 23 tells us the lord is my shepherd i don't have anything that i need i don't lack anything he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul but he also says he leads me in the valley of the shadow of death as long as he is there as long as he is my shepherd as long as he is with me as long as his rod and his staff are comforting me i can go through that place problem is during those plus uh, places of the valley of the shadow of death our faith is in crisis we don't truly believe that he is with us so it's crucial to build intimacy with god that even at the times of trouble you have a security and a rest inside your heart and this comes through a lifestyle of prayers that are beyond your personal needs many a times we have transactional worship and this leads us this is a recipe for personal sabotage of our faith transactional worship only worshiping god believing god doing kingdom work for something that you want in return it is a recipe for failure it is a recipe for damaging your own self through a theology that is not in scripture you end up wanting to do things for god so that he can do things in return to you and in the process you get to find out that that is not what he does and therefore your conclusion becomes that god is non-existent transactional worship is satisfied with miracles but it will not go back to repentance we are told in romans chapter 2 verse 4 that I think we I can read that Romans 2 verse 4 that the kindness of God leads to repentance the kindness of God leads to repentance the problem was that when God was kind to us he did not provoke us to repentance enough we just indulge so praise more instead of indulging when things go your way when god opens doors let them be a catalyst to learn more about him and give him your all and strive to know his heart that's the appropriate thanksgiving when bad seasons come remember that once once upon a time it went your way and remember that you didn't get to know the giver enough as an appreciation to him you didn't get to know him enough you remember the man whom Jesus healed the lepers 
only one returned. And Jesus pointed him, Go to a priest, go be established. Go now and let your soul be established in the faith. Many have kingdom manifestations, but few are established in the kingdom. Kingdom manifestation is meant to lead to kingdom establishment. Jesus told the man, now go and show yourself to the priest. You're meant now to be rooted, now to be grounded in the faith. Hebrews 3, 7 says, So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, there is a voice that you need to hear, friends. There's a voice that you need to hear that will give you the affirmation and the calmness in tough seasons. Secondly, community. We are told in uh, chapter 3, verse 12 to 13 of our main text, that see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that no one may be hardened by their deceitfulness. There is a component of community that brings us to godly rest, that through life storms, don't underestimate the power of doing life together. That some things we are highly stressed about can easily find context and perspective by listening to others' troubles. Loneliness is a recipe for anxiety and depression. But true communal living, even though it has its risks, even though it's hard to deal with people, but God designed it that way. It is God's mechanism. And if he designed it so, who are we to judge? Community has a way of putting our problems and trouble into perspective that at the end of the day you realize this is not the end of the world. Sometimes locking yourself up in a room and appearing on Sunday consumes you. Our testimonies from the past will uplift another person and another person's testimony will uplift you and we get to find out that we are all in the same boat. We are all in the same boat. There's nothing as powerful as being in a room where you see men who are also striving through life together. Life is a war. Life never feels cozy, however much money you have. It's always from one season to the next, one challenge to the other. And that doing life together just helps us to see that there are people who are going through this. They are not at their best sometimes. But you know what? They're still trusting and believing in God. And we encourage one another. Third secret to kingdom rest is righteousness. I've already been told that we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conv- uh, conviction firmly to the very end. That's from verse 14 of chapter 3. Our first love and commitment to love God and the things of God gives us security. That fervency and that fire of loving God has a way of giving you security. Righteousness and holiness are heavens expectations you remember in our previous podcast where we talked about hebrews chapter 6 verse 7 to 8 where it says a farm that has been invested in and cultivated and yet does not produce fruit 
for the people who cultivated it. It is useless and that it gets burnt. That heaven, heaven has invested heavily in us. Righteousness and holiness is not punishment. It's not a burden. God has provided his spirit. He has provided his grace, his holy blood to carry us through. Heaven has given us all those resources. And the writer of Hebrews goes on ahead and, and warns against apostasy that if we have been given all these things, if you have tested of the powers to come, if you have tested of the heavenly gifts and all these other things, and yet we remain cold at heart, that there's a danger that our hearts will be hardened and eventually we will be apostate. So righteousness and holiness are heaven's expectations. The appropriate response to grace is holiness. You're already enabled. You're already given a tutor, grace that teaches you no to ungodliness. You've already been given a way to God through prayer, through worship. You have already come to a place where you are perfectly loved. Now let that be a fruit. Let holiness and righteousness be a fruit in your life. Righteousness and holiness, friends, don't make us to earn God's love, but they make us to enjoy our relationship with Him and the life that we are given as a new creation. Sin makes us to be unsure. It brings us to, a, to an unsure place when it comes to trusting the promises of God. We are not sure whether we are loved. We are not sure about what we are doing. We are, we are in a mixed place. It messes our identity. It messes our prayer life. It messes our view of God and our faith. We are told severally about the sinfulness and the disobedience and the idolatry of the Israelites in the text. I'll just quote from verse 12 that see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and believing heart that turns away from the living God. So unbelief is a stain in our cloth of righteousness that it has potential to turn us away from God, meaning that we miss out on what God is saying and doing because we are hanging on to discouragement, fear, and anxiety. It's not bad to feel those things, but we're hanging on to them for whatever reason we are. We idolize our situation too much that we forget how powerful God is. We forget that his blood is enough. We idolize our past. We idolize our guilt and our shame and our discouragement. We idolize our situation over God. There's a place in righteousness that we fully trust the God is more powerful than our, than our situations and circumstances. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, le and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pour it out on him. Pour it out on him. Stop idolizing your circumstance. Pour it out on him who cares. Pour it out on him who is all-powerful. Pour it out on him who is all-seeing. Fourth, faith. Faith. And I know when I talk about faith, immediately our minds goes to mental assent. 
a mental agreement that God is able to do something, but that in your heart you don't really believe that. And that when the wind and the waves come, it will not be a matter of your mind. It's not a matter of, of what you remember or memory. It is what is in your heart. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. From verse 7 of Hebrews 3, we're told, So, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, keep your mind at a place of constant hearing. Invest in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Also told in, in, in chapter 4, verse 2, that for unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that had it. Faith is a true currency for kingdom rest. Hearing and intimacy are glorious. That is good. But if that doesn't change our character, then we might as well be worshipping ourselves. Hearing should be mixed with doing, and that becomes a bona fide way of entering God's promises. What God tells you to do, do it. Just do it. The disciples were being called, one from fishing, another one from another business, and they were just coming. That unrestrained obedience to God. Abraham told, leave your security, leave your home, leave your people, leave your religion of worshipping the moon, leave even your father and go to the land that I will show you. That immediate obedience to God, that is faithful obedience. You remember the reason why Saul received the judgment from God and his kingship was declared null and void in the spirit even though he remained ruling over Israel? Because even with good intentions to give sacrifice to the Lord, he did not fully obey. God had told him, go and destroy the enemies of Israel and destroy every loot, destroy every person because they were a stumbling block to the Israelites. But Saul kept some. He said that he wanted it to be for a sacrifice. And Samuel had to tell him obedience is better than sacrifice. Obey. Whatever God tells you to do, obey. Even in this dispensation of grace, there are still principles that when followed propagate our lives to covenant promises commit to the kingdom advancement that's a principle preach the gospel love the saints work with integrity these are principles for assured rest be doers of the word it is a recipe it is a recipe for all round rest in your life that even though the process doesn't look like the promise don't abort the seeds of your faith through murmuring and complaining like the israelites when they were having manna it didn't look like canaan they were they were consumed with the idea of milk and honey that when when the when the process when the wilderness didn't look like that they're always murmuring and complaining against god you just keep on moving to your promise just keep on going forward the things that are coming right now do not look like the promise, but you just keep on moving forward. Just obey. Faith is a verb. Faith has to stop being 
just something a nice like a like a verb i mean i'm in the faith or i'm believing in god it has to be shown in actions keep moving forward towards your promise lastly warfare told in verse 11 of chapter 4 let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience you have to labor to rest god worked in making creation before he rested it's a kingdom principle you have to work daily to rest just like you work in the field and then you go back home and rest it is the same principle in the spirit to experience true kingdom rest there needs to be labor and effort it just doesn't come kingdom rest doesn't come by sitting and being a victim it works by being aggressive in your pursuit of rest regardless of your circumstances this means realigning your life priorities it will mean deleting some apps and some contacts it may mean turning off some news it might mean fighting your emotions it might mean having some difficult conversations with some people don't allow anyone or anything to put you in a place where you want to explain or prove yourself shut down any voice in your life that leads you to comparison and strife whatever threatens your peace put it in its right place we are told in 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 verses 12 and 13 of chapter 4 for the word of god is alive and active sharper than any double edged sword it penetrates even to the dividing soul to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart so there is an internal war for your rest it happens at the place of your thoughts and your attitudes that is what springs up murmuring and complaining and unbelief it is warfare allow the word to righteously diagnose and interpret you rather than you trying so much to intellectualize and interpret the word let the word be a mirror that shows what the real issue is sometimes you may be grumpy you may just be feeling overwhelmed or underwhelmed because of something you don't know you don't know what the real issue is and even when you diagnose you'll diagnose it wrongly what you think you may know might not be the cause as to why you are not feeling okay as to why you are not at rest allow the word to show the root of the issue in whatever you are going through wrestle through life's puzzles with the word of god it is a designing sword there is a word in season that uplifts you and helps you to design your attitudes and thoughts that were contrary to god and to your faith there is a word that comes in a season that just settles you that just grounds you so wrestle through it wrestle through what you are feeling wrestle through your circumstances and situation to find time to vest in the word of god to vest in the presence of god until you find that revealing word for your so for your season in time let's pray Lord today we will not waste time wanting to explain ourselves and our situations and wanting to make sense out of it wanting to understand everything bring us to a place of true rest where we firmly believe who you are and who we are in you even as we keep moving forward towards our promise
that we will not abort the seeds of our faith through a bad attitude in our hearts, in our minds. Bring us to that place of true rest where we know who we are and we know who you are to us. Help us not to miss this rest. There's a Sabbath for us today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.